Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law. Greening Law, as those of you know, is a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. And they will fight that legal battle so that you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? No I would, Louis Armstrong today. No, no Louis Armstrong. Did you want to bring him back? No, 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 I don't. <laughs> That'll always be. I think that might be your best impression. That and White Guy Jacques are the two best ones. You okay. <laughs> I'm the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 297. Asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, guys. There it is. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, buddy. Yeah. I'd like an eight lager, please. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best. I remember when you first did that on the radio, I thought I was going to die. Oh, that's hilarious. uh, We're rolling forward, man. We got a lot of cowboys to get into. A lot to discuss. We believe Clarence Hill Jr. is going to be with us. As we are recording this a little earlier than normal because I've got a flight this afternoon. I'm flying into Austin and then driving to San Marcos, Texas for my Hall of Fame induction weekend. Look That's at me, right, buddy. Look at you. I can't wait to see the ring. I know, right? The ring, yes. I'm sure they'll the splurge jacket. for One that. I know. I asked my old advisors, like, so would we get a jacket? I mean, how does this work? He's like, no, not quite. <laughs> but it is cool. I mean, yeah, I think they get you like a golden microphone, like this plaque and stuff. I mean, they actually invest a little bit of something into it. So right, right, right. it's kind of a cool deal. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm, I'm going to be in San Marcos, Texas all weekend long, hanging out on the river at Aqua Arena Springs, walking around on campus. That'll be exciting. Yeah, just carry that BDE with you. It'll all be good. No, I will. The, the crazy thing is because, when, you know, when you look back, 20, I, I left college 21 years ago. And I've only been back to campus once since then. The dorm that I lived in is gone. Like that whole area of campus, they completely tore down and built new stuff on. And Texas State has expanded. There's probably, I think it's between ten to 15,000 more students that go each year than when I was there. So that expanse of Texas State, they've built a lot new dorms. There's new, I mean, they've taken chunks of campus and expanded it. I remember last time I was there, I was like, where am I? <laughs> Dude. I know the feeling. I mean, that's what happens. There's more humans in the world, more money on campus, and more things to build. So, But I'm looking forward to it. That'll be fun. But we need to get this rolling. And before we do that, let's tell you about Greening Law, man. And, and as you guys know, if you have been hurt in a car accident, if you've been hurt on the premises of a business, 
insurance companies start hitting you up and they, they try to get to you to get you to do something that you may not be aware of. That's why you need someone like Robert Greening. And I can't recommend him highly enough because I've had a great experience with them and I've been working with them for over a year now. When you find yourself in that situation, bring them on. Let them be your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. No, I mean, I think Matt has told you uh, many different times why why he rocks with them, why he's glad that they uh, that they're he's a client of theirs. And the main thing is, man, if, if you ever come into a situation like this where you're involved in an accident and you need to, you just need to pick up the phone, give them a call, tell them your details, and say, hey. Here's what happened. What do you think? Y'all know the number by now, 972-934-8900. And uh, if they take you on as a client, it's a fantastic day for you because this, as Matt has told you, can be kind of a tedious, complicated process, really involved, a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo. Well, who doesn't want somebody with one of them big old police flashlights as a beacon leading you through, holding your hand, showing you where to go, where to walk, how to follow that's why you go with the green team and greening law. And it's absolutely free to find out if you've got a case. The consultation is free. It's 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Oh, these Cowboys, they are headed back out on the road. Got a couple of road games right in a row. Sunday afternoon, the Fox game of the week. So we're going to get... It's weird how Fox has done this now where they do like this... You know, they call them EA and, and KB, and they've got Tom Rinaldi on this whole thing now. And they do this, like, broadcast roundtable thing where they show clips of what they think the game's going to be. I will say I do like Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson's really good on these broadcasts. I'm a big fan of what he's done. Um, You know what I've discovered, man? I don't really pay that much attention to the broadcasters. And I so guess Greg I Olson, do, and I didn't know that I did. <laughs> no, uh, but it, it is, it, and it's not a knock on any broadcaster, but really, I think it's, and, and I think it's evolved into that because what am I doing during the game? I'm doing everything but listening and watching the game. Yeah. I'm looking at plays. I'm on Twitter. I'm looking at stats. I'm jotting down notes for doing the grades for the morning news and ten truths about the game later. And so I'm 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 multitasking at its finest, and about the last thing I'm doing is listening to real analysis or real comments from the broadcasters, just because my mind is at a thousand different places the whole time the game is on. Yeah, I get you, man. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because I, I do the same. Like I love being on Twitter during games, and, and generally speaking, if I'm watching the game live, then I'm on Twitter and I'm doing the same thing on my laptop because I take notes on every drive just to make sure I don't forget, you know, those plays, the penalties, the things that happen like that, but. I do notice the broadcasters from time to time, and, and Olsen has been, he's, he's refreshing. He does a good job. It's kind of like Tony Romo, I feel like, a guy that recently played the game that has a really good feel for, I mean, he played with a lot of players that are in the league. He was talking last week. I mean, he played for a long time under Ron Rivera, so you got some interesting insight from him on stuff like that. But when you look at this game with the Cowboys and the Rams, there's a couple of things that jump out to me. We have this idea that the Rams are this explosive, dominant, greatest show on turf offense, that Sean McVay is a whiz kid of offense, and you cannot stop them. But reality, this season through four games, paints a completely different picture. What's interesting to me is that we already know the Dallas defense is really, really good. They're second in the NFL in sacks. They generate the second highest amount of pressure, getting pressure 33% of the time. 
and they are going up against a Rams offensive line that has allowed the second most sacks in the NFL and a quarterback that has thrown the most picks in the NFL. That would seem, you know, that would seem to indicate that the Cowboys have a great chance to win this game. Um, because if their defensive line is who we think it is, they'll be able to generate pressure this this uh, this week. And let's keep it real, man. Matt Stafford has always been a dude who will throw a pick to you. Yeah. You just have to catch it when it comes. Uh, Matt Stafford got elevated because uh, he won the Super Bowl last year and he did everything he was supposed to do to win the Super Bowl. So there's no shade on him. But that don't make you a great quarterback just because you won the Super Bowl. I mean, it makes you that great that moment or that sure. game or that sure. season. But ain't nobody ever said, nobody credible, that Matt Stafford was a great quarterback. He's always been a really good quarterback. He put up numbers, but he ain't never win nothing with Detroit. Uh, my point being, he's a guy that you can beat. You don't go into this game thinking, oh, this is Tom Brady, this is Drew Brees. Now, you got to play good, but he will give you an opportunity to beat him. And the other thing about this, and, and this might be the most surprising thing, because, again, we think of the Rams as this offense that just mows you down and goes down the field and has all this explosion. In four games, I went back and look at this. In four games, the Rams so far have nine plays that have gone over 20 yards, eight passes, in one run. And Cooper Cup, as you might imagine, has the majority of these, including Cooper Cup has their one 20 yard run of the season. It was from him. <laughs> That's well, it. I mean, this is not an explosive offense. And last week against the 49ers, they did not have a single play that went longer than 18 yards. And see, again, this bodes well for the Cowboys' defense if, and it's a big if, if they can play well against a run. And uh, and control first and second down because the the Rams' offense is really not all that complicated. The thing that has made it tricky in the past is all their plays look the same. You know they got all these pass plays off the same action that they have all these run plays, and when they get it rolling, you can't discern whether they're running or passing, and and it leads to a lot of big plays which they haven't had this year. So um, there's opportunity to win this game. Um, but it's also going to be a tight fit, and it's going to be a game where it comes down to who doesn't screw it up. And even though I'm really picking the Rams, Cooper Cup has proved that he won't screw it up. Yeah, he hasn't, man. And it's it's really weird because Cooper Cup, again, is dominating the NFL. He is the most targeted receiver. It's not close. He already has 42 receptions. He is on pace right now. Now, granted, there's 17 games in a season now. He's on pace to shatter the NFL record for receptions in a single season that Michael Thomas set a couple of years ago at 149. Cooper Cup's on pace for 179. <laughs> that really doesn't even make sense. No, it's just stupid. And, and he's so, the fact that you know that the ball's going to go to him, that every defense is fully well aware of that. And we kind of talked, it might have been Todd Archer on our earlier podcast that was talking about this. They seem to be okay, and defenses seem to be okay with, okay, catch the ball. We're just not going to let you get behind us. Cooper Cup, all those numbers and all the times he's targeted and, and, and how he's leading the NFL in all these receiving categories, he's 100th in average depth of target, which is essentially where he is when the ball gets to him. 100th in the NFL, he is 7.7 .7 yards downfield on average when they throw the ball to him. Now, for instance, just for comparison's sake, to give you an idea, CeeDee Lamb is nowhere near the top of the leaderboard, and he is 10.8 yards per target. So that's showing you that those are they're hitting Cup a lot, 
but they're giving him really short throws and hoping that he can do something with it after he catches the ball. Yeah, and I think what you're – I mean, can we be honest, man? They're using him like Dalton Schultz. They are, yeah, except he's you know much saying? better than Dalton Schultz, yes. You know what I'm saying, but like yeah. at, the, at the way he's playing, he's not busting your ass because he's catching all these short passes. Um, and I think the Cowboys will be fine with that because when it happens – I mean, Cooper Cup's not a big dude, so what happens is you want to try and punish him when he catches the ball. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting uh, because the game is – I mean, we've said this both a thousand times. As a matter of fact, rant, I mean, uh, Matt had a really good Twitter rant about it uh, during the game in terms of the game is really – at one level is about big plays, giving them up and not giving them up. I mean, getting them and then not giving them up mm. because big plays in the NFL lead to touchdowns normally or they lead to points because it's so hard to drive 80 yards on 13 plays against NFL defenses. And so when you have two offenses that don't really generate a lot of big plays, those who can get them will win this week because uh, they'll have more scoring opportunities. Yeah, and, and this just it, – it, it feels like – we all just looked at the Rams because they went and they won a Super Bowl and they've got Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup and then they brought in Allen Robinson who they're barely even using and doing anything with. This is a Rams team that cannot run the ball. They're 28th in the NFL in offense. They are averaging, which is by the way, the second worst, or 28th, and then the second worst in yards per play. They, the only team that gets fewer yards per play on their offense than the Rams is Washington and we saw that, that offense last week. And I don't know, man, like I start looking at this and I go, unless the Rams start doing something we haven't seen them do in the first four games against this Cowboys defense, this is a really good opportunity for the Cowboys to keep this thing close. And we'll see if their offense can pull a rabbit out of a hat and do something. You know, it's interesting that the way that they play is they just need to do what they do and try to convert some of these red zone appearances into touchdowns. If they can do that. They'll score enough points. I think what you've seen from the Cowboys' defense now, and the question becomes to the offense, can you get to 24? If you can get to 24, you should feel pretty good about your chances to win. And so do you look at them and say, can they generate 24 points? And the thing about this team is maybe they can use a turnover or they can use special teams, something to help them get, you know, 10 of those 24 points, and then maybe the offense only has to drive for a couple long touchdowns. Um that, to me, is the key. Can you generate just enough offense uh, to create some breathing room? Because your defense has been really good. I mean, I don't think they're going to give up one touchdown a game the entire season. At some point, somebody's going to bust them up because uh, that's just the nature of the NFL. But uh, it doesn't have to be this week, and it doesn't have to be this team because, uh, as Matt has told you, uh, they got some real deficiencies on offense. They do, man, and, and, and their defense is solid. But it, so far, it hasn't been as good as the Cowboys' defense. I mean, you look at the Rams against the Bills, 52 yards, against Atlanta, 65, against the 49ers, 57. That's rush yards. I mean, this team doesn't run the ball. Okay, they, they hit 100 against Arizona, and they did it with a couple of, like, weird runs and, and had Cooper Cup pitch in on that. They have turned the ball over twice or more. I mean, in four games, three turnovers against the Bills, three against the Falcons, one against the Cardinals, two last week against the 49ers. It's an offense that is clunky, does not have explosion, and gives you the ball. And this is a defense that has allowed 31, 27, 24, and 12 points in their four games. I got to tell you, man, the more that I look at this and I look at what the Cowboys have done and believing in that defense, I think the Cowboys can go in there, surprise a lot of people, and beat a Rams team. And this is what will be funny. Everybody will think, oh, man, they beat the Rams. They, they must be pretty good. And then you'll look at the Rams and be like, that's a two and three team. 
if the Cowboys beat them. Yeah. And everybody be like, is this a Super Bowl team that's not even going to make the playoffs because San Francisco looks like the best team in that division? Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, the way I view the game is I still think it's about the Cowboys' defense because I don't trust the Cowboys' offense. And, I mean, y'all can get mad at me or perturbed or frustrated but or call me a hater. That happens from time to time. But I haven't seen enough from the Cooper Rush-led offense to think that they're going to put up you know, 31 points this week. Right. Uh, you know, because they, they haven't done it. They've gotten progressively better every week, but they're still kicking too many field goals. There's not enough red zone possessions that end in touchdowns. And, uh, you know, they still haven't really been really all that explosive. So to me, it's about whether the defense can keep containment, can hold Los Angeles to around 17 points. And if they do that, then you got to hope that you can create just enough offense to win. Uh, I was looking it up, dog, and. You know, Dan Quinn's only faced the uh, the Rams offense once with the Cowboys, and it was actually his very first game. They gave up like 422 yards, it was, but it was that 153 yards rushing that really did them in. Yeah. And they only lost 20 to 17. Uh, it's hard to win. You give up 150 yards rushing. So uh, as long as they can keep that running attack under control this year, um, I just my problem is I just don't trust the offense yet. I think it's going to be a tight fit, but, you know, call me a disbeliever. It's okay. But I'm a disbeliever right now. And that's fine. And and I'm not going to disagree with you because I don't really trust the offense either. I keep thinking, you know, I called for it last week. It didn't happen. At some point, this defense is going to score a touchdown. And Matt Stafford, who basically set one up for the 49ers on defense last week with the pick six, the way that he is playing right now, the way that offensive line is, it would not surprise me, whether it's Diggs or Bland or whomever it's going to be, for this defense to finally get a score I like the Cowboys winning this game on the road against the Rams. I think it's going to be close. I'll give the Rams becoming the first opponent that actually hits 20, but give me the Cowboys 24 to 20 over the Rams on the road in Los Angeles. Wow. How about that? I am, uh, I'm a, I'm a duly impressed as a non-believer. And, uh, I don't, you know, I keep telling y'all, I certainly don't mind being proved wrong. I really don't. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all, but as a non-believer, I got to go with the Rams. 23 21 yeah see so we're right on it i mean we're right in that same range i'm just gonna i'm taking the cowboys because i'm i'm in man why not <laughs> right, 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 right. and that would set up god if the cowboys win and they get to four and one let's keep in mind that philadelphia this week has arizona on the road and if they could do that we may have a four and one cowboys team going to an undefeated five and oh philly team next week for sunday night football dude that'd how, be a treat how, i was gonna say how huge would that be God, that would be awesome. I mean, Philly's playing really well right now. I mean, they really are. And and it'll be – we'll see because, as Archer pointed out, they haven't played anybody. I mean, we're all sitting there going, wow, look at them. But they've played Detroit, Minnesota, Washington, and Jacksonville. I don't think that really moves the needle. People will give them a lot of credit for playing Arizona this week on the road and, and then the Cowboys. So we'll see how it goes. But we could be hurtling towards something really kick-ass next Sunday night if the Cowboys and the Eagles can make it happen. And if not, they're they're both still going to have winning records when they play each other, and that's still going to be nice. No, true that, true that. And it's going to be a huge game because it's going to be for control of the NFC East. Uh, I think they're clearly the two best teams in the East, and so, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a knockdown drag out between them two. So we move forward here, and we'll take this quick trip around the block. Before we do that, of course, we always like telling you about JR and his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop. 
as Jacques can tell you better than anybody, the mechanic you can trust, and, and we all have that uneasy feeling when we drop our cars off somewhere. We all know that. We're all looking for somewhere we can take our car. We trust the work because we know they're doing quality work and they stand behind it. That's what you get at Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, JR is the best now. Yeah, at least he's been the best to me. He's just five minutes up the road uh, from downtown, 35 in Commonwealth. You can't miss him. And, you know, I take all my cars to JR because you can trust him. And to me, that's the biggest deal. Um, can you trust him to give you a fair price? Can you trust him to use quality parts? Can you trust him to diagnose what the hell is wrong with your car? And then can you trust him to stand behind his work? He does this consistently, not just with me because he knows me. He does this with everybody. Check my timeline. Plenty of people on there said, man, we went to JR's. It was fantastic. Everything you said was how it went down. Freeway Tire, it's a place to go. It's worth the trip. Make it. Freeway Tire Shop, you can find online. You can request a quote. You can schedule your appointment. It's freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, Steve, the man who created Bruce Biltong. What a cool dude that guy is. He grew up in South Africa. He comes over to America, and he's like, hey, there's nobody does Biltong over here. Everybody's eating this beef jerky. He's like, man, I got something way better than that. He's a rocket scientist who starts making what he grew up eating in his home country, in his garage and his friends like it so much he quits being a rocket scientist and starts launching his own company and it's called bruise biltong b-r-u-s-b-i-l-t-o-n-g if you like beef jerky my friends i can tell you straight up you will love biltong and i know this because i love biltong and i eat biltong and so does Jacques because it's more tender it's more savory it's one of those things like once you have it you'll be like man i wish i wish beef jerky was like this i'll just keep eating bruise biltong Dude, Biltong rocks, man. I go with the sliced Biltong. I love it. 230 calories in a two-ounce pouch, 30 grams of protein. If you're looking to watch your weight, it's perfect for that, man. Uh, it tastes good. It's savory. It doesn't get stuck in your teeth. Don't even need a toothpick when you're finished with it. It's the best alternative to jerky you've ever had. Butt strips, they're delicious. They are delicious. It's fantastic. It's Bruce Biltong. You can get it online right now. We're the only podcast he's ever worked with, man. You guys are helping him. You're helping us because he's one of our great sponsors. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. So check him out online and use that promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15, and you get 15% off your order. So this trip around the block, did you ever check out that show on Netflix? Seems like we talked about this. It's called Love is Blind. I saw, it, I saw it like, I haven't seen it recently. I saw it like a couple years ago. Yeah, because there have been two seasons of it, and it's the one where they don't ever meet each other. They talk through a wall, and the whole bit is they give them like a couple of weeks, and you have to ask the person to marry you. And then if you do that, you get introduced to each other. I mean, you've been talking, and they set them up in these pods, and they talk for like eight hours a day for a couple of weeks straight. And they're like, oh, my God, will you marry me? And then they, the lady starts crying and has never even seen the dude. And then they meet and they see how it goes once they are around each other physically and whatnot. I believe the first season was in L.A. The second season was in Chicago. Well, season three is making its debut. It drops on Netflix, I believe, on October 19th. And it was filmed in Dallas, Texas. How about that? All 30 singles in this upcoming season are featured from the DFW area, 15 men, 15 women. And it's funny because I saw the picture of the cast. And of course, I mean, if you're going to, this is what I love about anybody's perception of Texas. If you're going to film in Texas, you got to make sure you have a dude wearing a cowboy hat and boots. And there is one. <laughs> 
You know, I always tell this story, man. When uh, when my parents got divorced and my mom said, hey, we're moving to Dallas. I got a job in Dallas at the school district. My only memory of, te- my only thought of Texas was, now you got to picture this, we're moving to Dallas, but all I know is it's Texas. And I had, I, I just never forget this image, man. I was watching some show on TV and it was, it was about somebody living in Brownsville. And so what did they do? They riding around in a cowboy hat with a mm-hmm. horse out in a, out on a ranch somewhere. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, this is what I'm going to. And uh, obviously Dallas ain't anything like Brownsville. No, not at all. But the fact that people still want to portray Dallas, I mean, Dallas is this cowboy place. It's just funny to me. It's as urban and as glassy as any any top five city in the country. Although we know we we know how Fort Worth gets down. Well, yeah, no Fort Worth, vibe. of course, sure. And, and you know, like a lot of the times on these broadcasts on TV shows and whatnot, they do this on fo- on football games. For Cowboys games, they'll go and they'll show you stuff from the stockyards in Fort Worth. So people that have never been to Texas are like, oh, my God, man, in Dallas, they just have cattle roaming around on brick streets. And you're like, no, we sure don't. That is a like literally a tourist area that has been kept like that since the 1800s. That's a little tiny place in Fort Worth. Not all of Dallas is like that. But when you watch all these games and that's all they continually show you, you have this idea that, oh, I guess everybody in Texas, that's kind of what it's like. And it isn't. I will say this is very interesting because having seen the first two seasons, this is easily the most diverse cast that they've ever had. I mean, there are people from all shapes and sizes and looks and colors and races and whatnot that are all, I mean, hair color from super dark black to bright red to blonde to all kinds of different looks, man. And you look at the guys and it's the same way. So it'll be really interesting to see. I, we've watched both seasons of this. This is one of those guilty pleasure shows. And I don't know why. I, I mean, I was going to say, what do you like about it? I, I, I think it's interesting to see that people, I, I always find it fast. Like nobody is going on. Re- I, I do not believe anyone is going on reality TV to find love. They are going on it to find fame. And if love comes out of that, then they're like, oh, okay, cool. Which is why the 99% of these relationships never work. You know, these people realize, I mean, I would do the same thing. If I was on this show, I don't give a crap who I was talking to. I would try and manipulate it to where they liked me. And I would propose as soon as I could to make sure that I'm getting to stay on the show. Because that's what you got to do. You build your brand. Next thing you know, all these people get, you know, even a show like this. I mean, I don't even know how many people will watch this show. But if you're on Netflix and it's in the top 10, chances are millions of people watch. They right. then follow you on your social media. The next thing you know, you've done nothing other than be on this silly-ass reality show, and all of a sudden, you've got 1.2 million followers on Instagram, and now you make a living promoting products on your Instagram. Yep. Welcome to the new earth. Hey, this is, this is how the world works these days. Bro. It is how the world works. So, you know, I get it. I, and I do find the conversation. Love is Blind was a really interesting concept. The fact that you're not going to see each other this is not based on physical attraction. And for the most part, like anybody can go and look up these people's pictures. I mean, these are not exactly, you know, some of them are attractive, but for the most part, these are normal looking human beings. These are not models with giant fake boobs and whatnot, right? Right. These are normal looking human beings. And that's one of the appeals, I think, to this, because these are just normal people like you would see anywhere that, I mean, you can look at their job descriptions and these are just, these are people that you might work with. And you see them, and, and it's just, 
that whole idea of seeing these conversations and then of course the way that it unfolds when they start and it's always this way it's like oh man we get along so well well no shit they just paid for you to have a vacation in the bahamas at a five-star resort and you're having the time of your life well, yeah, what's not to love about that? All right, and then you get back to real life, and you're like, well, I don't know. I, I live in Addison, and she lives over there in, you know, Roanoke, and I didn't realize, I mean, that's so far away, and I, I don't know, and now we got to, and, you know, they pay for them to live in an apartment somewhere trendy. It'll be probably, I would imagine, somewhere near downtown Dallas, whatever they view as the trendy area right now in Dallas, and they'll go around. Now, I will watch it because I will say this. Living outside of Dallas now, when you watch shows that have things around Dallas, we like that because there's a little nostalgia for us and it feels like a little piece of home to some degree. We're like, oh my God, look, they went to whatever, Deep Ellen Brewery or Texas L Project or False Idol or whatever, or hanging out right. at Celestial. And man, we used to go eat there and stuff like that. So, no, I, I enjoy it, man. It's kind of a crazy show. It is. Uh, it's wild. Because, um, you know, it's. I don't I like it because um you you hope that love is like that where it's not so physically centered that you forget all the other stuff even though we know it's basically normally 99% of the time starts off as a physical attraction 99% of the time it does in 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 your normal life but this is a unique approach to that and it's filmed in Dallas comes out in a couple of weeks the other story I have for you here, and this is wild. I mean, this, this sounds like about as fake of a story as you can have, and it is 100% true. Uh -oh. And it happened on a Southwest Airlines flight. And I will be flying Southwest Airlines later this afternoon. A Southwest Airlines pilot is suing the company, her union, and a former colleague who pleaded guilty last year to deadbolting the cockpit door during a flight and stripping naked in front of her. Okay, say that again. Did you turn your mic around? Oh, I think it. it my, All right, my there wrist, we go. My, my wrist turned. There we go. Yes. Okay. So here's here's the the story. This is a woman pilot named Christine. Right. She is suing her former colleague named Michael Hawk. D this is just the wildest thing. So apparently, according to her side of the story, okay. She says she has never met this dude. She was his co-pilot on a flight from Philadelphia to Orlando on Southwest Airlines. She claims that when they reached cruising altitude, that this dude turns to her and says it's his final flight and there was something he wanted to do before retirement. He bolted the door so that no flight attendant could enter and told her that it has always been his desire, this is according to him, to fly naked. And according to him, she says, okay, go ahead and do it. Now, okay. according to her, obviously, she is denying that, never wanted this to happen, and is claiming that he took off all of his clothes, began watching pornography on his laptop, and committed a lewd act for 30 minutes while taking photos and videos of himself. I, I have no words for that other than I could see how she could say, yeah, go ahead and do that thinking there's no way in the world he'd go ahead and do that. Uh, but I can't believe that he actually did that and thought that that was going to be cool and okay. And if he did take videos and pictures of it, well, dude, he's he's a bigger idiot than, than ever. Yeah, because you got to think like they could get that. Now, apparently, 
he is saying that, yes, she encouraged him to do this and made sexual advances after he took off his clothes. Like, he is admitting he got naked. And he calls it a consensual prank that got out of hand and denies that a lewd act occurred. Now, I got to be honest with you. The fact that she's saying the lewd act occurred for 30 minutes, I'm like, eh, I don't think that's true. I'll buy 10 minutes, but 30 minutes, that's a long time for that, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's a really long time. Now, she says in the lawsuit she was horrified by his actions but kept flying the plane, thankfully. I mean, for the passengers well, yeah, and whatnot. I mean, you, don't, you don't have a lot of choice. And the plane landed safely and all this. I mean, this is... This is insane. She never reported the incident to a Southwest employee relations investigator until three months later. And she says she's waited because her boss had disparaged her to a male colleague previously. And then she found out that this guy was not retiring and that wasn't his final flight. I mean, this whole story is just, an, can you imagine? Like never in a million years would I think that I'm sitting in my, my seat I'm reading my little book or whatever I'm doing on my flight. And in the cockpit, the pilot is taking off his clothes. I mean, what? Dude. <laughs> this is I'm insane. Just glad, I'm just glad all the people landed safely. I mean, no doubt, man. I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it never crossed my mind. But now that I think about it, who knows what pilots are doing in the cockpit? We have no idea. We can't get in there. We can't see. No. I mean, we just hope that they're paying attention. Yeah, but, that's all know, I the, want. The, the, the flip side is, I mean, we talk about, uh, you know, carless driverless cars are coming. Well, autopilot's been around forever. That's so very, you very just true. Have to, you just have to basically just look at the monitors every now and then and, you know, make sure nothing weird is happening. Yeah, man. I mean, as, as long as you can do that, the plane lets you know if there's a problem and they need human interaction. For the most part, they fly themselves now. And we become yeah. totally cool with that kind of wild man i mean i just i don't know i i that uh, when i read that story i was like what in the hell is this <laughs> like what but there you have it and then finally before we get into our conversation with clarence hill jr here this morning i found this as well now look you and i both from time to time we, we will use some curse words what are you gonna do <laughs> it's called colorful language it happens to the best of us right well, according to a new study that has come out, they have ranked the most foul-mouthed cities in America. And apparently, this is based, and I don't know how they came about this, but on how many times people in those cities swear per day. And according to this study, the average American swears 21 times a day. And this is a, a survey by something called Preply. Do you think you swear 21 times a day? I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say, yes, I do. Okay. I, I believe I probably do. I, I, I say a lot of different swear words. I mean, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. Most Americans are most likely to swear at home, 55%. 24% of Americans swear the most when out with friends. But apparently only 7% say they swear the most when driving which I doubt that. Now, this was a survey conducted in July. Over 1,500 American residents of the 30 largest cities responded. So that's how they are getting this. And apparently, the cities that swear the most, Dallas, Texas is tied for fourth. <laughs> I think it's because of all the driving. <laughs> 
It could be. Now, I will say this because the top two of the top three, I'm like, really? And maybe it's just people admitting this. So Dallas, Texas tied for fourth with 25 swears per day. Jacksonville, Florida was third at 28 swears per day. Las Vegas, number two at 30 swears per day. That's all that damn gambling. And by far, the number one city taking the cake, swearing an average of 36 times per day. And you are very familiar with this city. Buffalo? Nope. Another one you're very familiar with. It can't be Columbus. It is Columbus, Ohio. You have got to be kidding me. Columbus, Ohio is the number one foul-mouthed city in America, according to this survey. (laughs) I would have never believed it, man. That's middle America. I can't believe that they're cursing, unless they're cursing the Ohio State's game. I guess, man, and maybe because there's so many Ohio State alumni, that's just they, I don't know, maybe that's what it is. I mean, that's that's okay. The, the average American starts using swear words at age 11, and over half of Americans use swear word substitutions like fudge, shoot, and frick. We used to work with the guy at ESPN that never cussed and would say stuff like that. And I was like, dude, I never understood that. I've never understood, like, if depending on who you're around and the people, I under, I get that. But, like, when you're amongst call of people that you trust and friends and whatnot, and you're like, hey, man, what the frick? It's like, oh, I mean, what are we doing? Like, we obviously, in my brain, I just interpret it as what the actual word is. So you're not even helping me. Yeah, I, um, now that's interesting. But, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. And I'm, I'm laughing in my head while we're talking this because... Where do I spend most of my time these days? I spend it at Jackson State where guess who doesn't curse? Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Man, that's impressive. And he doesn't. Now, he does say darn. He says that quite a bit. And he says bull junk quite a bit. Okay. But those are the only, I mean, that's as, that's as, that's as harsh as it gets. But if somebody once told me, I've never had a man make me feel so small and make me want to cry and never curse at me once. Yeah, I mean, I guess it goes both ways. I mean, there are different ways to express things that you want. There's people that believe, like, if you cuss, that it's a sign that you lack intelligence. There are studies that show people that cuss the most are the most intelligent. So who knows? To me, words uh, are words. Yeah, I think cursing, well, it depends. If you're cursing to yourself, like if you're in your car cursing, that's, uh, that's one level. If you're cursing at someone... Like personally, not I mean somebody like who can hear and see, know what you're saying. That's obviously the most personal, and um, you know I think you save that for for really uh, harsh times. Otherwise, it seems to me that most curse words are just during normal conversation with friends when you're describing things, people, or right. places. Yeah, definitely, definitely is. And, and intent and tone carries a lot more weight, I've always thought, than any word that is a curse word, or if it is a word. Like derogatory words to me are colossally worse than any curse word. Um, now you know, uh, a friend of mine once told me that she cursed because it's an art form, and there's a lot of belief in that. <laughs> like she said, um, she would once greet her friends like "bitch." See, so, I mean that's really a curse, but you know. Well, you know, like I always like to say, hey. A bitch is a female dog. Dogs bark. Bark is on a tree. A tree is nature. Nature is beautiful. It's a wonderful compliment. 
I'd never heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. I'm rocking with you. There you go. Now you know. Fun trip around the block. So let's call our good buddy, Clarence Hill Jr. So it is time, our weekly check-in, longtime beat writer covering the Dallas Cowboys for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence E. Hill Jr. joining us. And chill, Cowboys are 3-1, and one, and it feels, a lot of people kind of are still like, okay, well, what do we make of this team? Nobody expected them to be 3-1. and one. How do you view this team about a quarter of the way through the season so far? You know, it, it's hard to judge because you have to, how do you view the opponent? You know, how do you view the opponents they played? I, I know that. When, when Dak went down after the horrible loss uh, at the season opener, you know, Zeke was like everybody else. Oh, shit. That that was his word. Came out. Everybody thought, oh, shit, this thing, you know, this thing is bad. You know, because, you know, we thought Dak was going to be out six to eight weeks initially. And, you know, quarterbacks out that long, just Cowboys history, go back to Romo, Dak, when they missed that many games or more, the season's over. You know, so that was not a lot of hope for this team uh, when it was when uh, Dak initially went down. And especially the way they played, they're still, of course, along the offensive line and fever and and all this other stuff. You know, and 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 so uh, what we've seen since then is just nothing short of just based on what we knew a miracle. You know, no one expected this. Jerry, I mean, I don't care what you know they can say about. It. We believe that Cooper Rush, you know. Uh, Based on Minnesota last year, they could have been trying to kill. They tried to give a job away to Will Curry. Okay, no, no one saw this coming. Jerry Jones admitted, you know, he he's expensive far beyond his expectations. You know, and so most people, you know, you were thinking you did. Then you look at the polls they played, and sort of Cincinnati was struggling. And say what you want about the Giants at three and one, the Giants don't look like a special football team. And and so uh, and and Washington, Washington, but. Just get the wins. All the battles of the W. You don't decide who you play. Everybody in the season has a trash schedule. You go back to before the season and look at the strength of schedules. The entire NFC strength, you know, at the bottom of the list as far as strength of schedules. I mean, they have an easy schedule based on opponents based on last year. And so some of that's come up to fruition. Uh, but I like what McCarthy's done and how he's kept this team, you know, believing. I like what Dan Quinn has done and developing this doomsday as defense. Uh, and the good news is that the Cowboys have room to get better because they're going to get Dak back and they're getting J.R. Curse back and they'll get some guys back who've been out. So, you know, you know that's the good news. They've navigated this this, or this early start. It's, it's all gravy now. They're in contention. They're still in this thing. And they have a chance to get better. So what is your impression of Cooper Rush now? He's a capable backup quarterback. He's a capable back. He's doing what, you know, you want a back and quarterback to keep you in contention. Keep you winning games. Win games when the starter's out. You know, keep keep the boat on the water. You know, don't let the season, you know, you know, be shipwrecked. And, and that's what he's done. That's my impression. He's a capable – he's proven to be a capable back and quarterback. And, you know, it, 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 it's so strange. It's, you know, this, this Cooper Rush story could be a dizzy move because if Dak Prescott does not get hurt in 2020, Cooper Rush may not, may not be in the league right now. He got cut in 2020 when the Cowboys brought in Andy Dalton. He went to the Giants, and they cut him. Nobody picked him up. If if Dak doesn't get hurt, the Cowboys don't bring him back. Maybe nobody brings him back. You know, maybe he don't get his opportunity. You know, it's just, 
you know, it, 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 and then when he came back, you know, the Cowboys were all into Garrett Gilbert. You know, Garrett Gilbert was the guy that they was, was, was the favorite to be the number two quarterback, you know, because of he played a solid game against Pittsburgh. That's how we get caught up in one game. You guys get one game and we, we put so much stock into how you played one game. You know, you're, I call it a Caddyshack moment. You had a Caddyshack moment and we all put so much stock into that one game. We, and you could say that Minnesota game was his Caddyshack moment. You know, you, you, you put so much stock in, but, but none of this was promised for Cooper Rush. And so, I mean, good for him. It's, 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 it's a great story. He's really proven that he's decisive. He's got a cool customer under pressure. You know, he throws, he plays with anticipation. He has his limitations. There, you, you can see that, you know, he doesn't, you know, he can't make all the throws, you know, but he runs this team and he runs the team well and they believe in him. So, you know, good for him. He runs this team, and like you said, they believe in him, and somehow the Cowboys have managed to go 3-1. and one. But as you know, Chill, this is still an offense that has been very lacking, has struggled the majority of most of these games where they've come out early, it seems like, and they're able to move the ball, and then they kind of go into a shell of sorts. So what do you expect to see against the Rams with Cooper Rush still there, knowing that this offense is most likely going to continue to struggle to move the ball? Yeah, I mean, that's, just, that's why, you know, when people talk about he should keep in there, just, I call them, my grandma used to call them peace breakers. You're peace breakers. You're number of peace breakers. The Cowboys are a, a, a beyond their wildest dreams, happy and delirious about what Cooper Rush has done. And Cowboy fans and media who should be the same way, that, you know, be happy and proud of what Cooper Rush has done. Quit trying to create a quarterback controversy. Quit trying to make it more than what it is. He's the backup quarterback. That can QB1. This is not 2016 at all. It's certainly not even that close to that situation. Uh, because the offense is averaging 15 points a game. They're completing at the bottom of the league in third down, you know, like 30%. I mean, they, they for the offense to run at an optimal level, they need Dak Prescott. This, this offense is, you know, not going to win a lot of games late in the season in the playoffs because they don't score enough points. You know, so uh, so let's let's tap the brakes on, you know, what we're doing and, and the expectations of Cooper West, as, you know, as far as the big picture is concerned. But going against the Rams, I think this may be a toughest test. You know, the Rams are still the Rams. You know, they're two and two. They're struggling to score points, but you know, they still got Aaron Donald on that defense. Uh, we'll see. You know, uh, again. The Rams stopped the run. The Cowboys did not run the ball well against Washington. They're going to blitz. That's just probably the best secondary they've faced, you know, with Ramsey. You know, uh, it, it's going to be interesting. I, You know, I, I think the bubble burst for Cooper Rush and the Cowboys this weekend, but that's okay. I think that what they've done, they've done enough to keep making pitches. But, yeah, this is going to be a tough day game, for, you know, for the offensive line blocking Aaron Donald. You know, and, and this is a Rams team that, that's playing with a sense of urgency after losing – Monday night against San Francisco, you know, so uh, it's going to be an interesting test for the Cowboys and Cooper Rush, and, and, and I worry about who has to block Aaron Donald, and hopefully they can get Jason Peters on the field more than 20 snaps because Connor McGovern and, 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 and uh, Beattis, you know, they won't be able to handle Aaron Donald. Well, that takes us to this. What do you think um, defensively they can do with the Rams offense? Murder. Kill, maim, <laughs> murder, wow. awesome. Wow, 
That's fair. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this is this is fresh meat. I mean, this Rams offensive line is, is, is the Cowboys have the best pass rush in the league. Okay, in the second sack, with their first in win rate, their first in pressure, they get after the quarterback like nobody's business. You know, and you saw the Rams struggle, offensive line struggle with San Francisco. You know, the Cowboys are going to get out, and this is a quarterback. You know, unlike the past two quarterbacks who had a little mobility, mobility to escape. I mean, it should have been more sacks with Daniel Jones. Should have been more sacks with Carson Wentz. But they have some movement ability. They can, they can escape. This dude is a statue. He ain't going nowhere. He's gonna be right there in the pocket. You know where he's gonna be. You know, and, and so uh, this this Cowboys defense is gonna be putting their ears back, and, and they got a target to hit. They're gonna hit Matt Stafford, and the Rams are not running the ball well. So that's to put them in third and long. The Cowboys, you know, stop the run. You know, that, that's the only Achilles heel of this defense. They have shown leakage in uh, their run defense, but it hasn't turned into touchdowns. You know, that's the beauty about them being able to break leaps against the run. They, they don't give up touchdowns, you know. And, and, and so, yeah, they, they should – they're going to take advantage of this offensive line, you know, and this Rams offensive line to get after that quarterback, you know. And, and, and the problem with the Rams right now, Outside of them not being able to run, they feature Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup too much. You know, that's all they throw to. And, yes, he caught eight. You look at Monday night. Oh, nobody can stop Cooper Cup. He got 18 targets and 14 receptions and all of this stuff. How many points they score? And one, they had a pick six because all he looks at is Cooper Cup, and they, and they jumped around. Yeah, and we were talking about that early earlier, Chill. I mean, this this is a Cooper Cup who doesn't really get down the field much. A Rams offense that has nine plays of twenty yards or more all season, only one in the run game, and that was Cooper Cup. It, and they just don't they don't have a lot of explosion. I mean, Cooper Cup gets a lot of those receptions because they're five to ten yard receptions where they're barely moving the ball down the field. And it's weird because it feels like offensively, all they have is Cooper Cup. That's all they have, and they signed Allen Robinson. But you know, it's, it's that's all they have, or that's all he wants to throw to. You know, they throw to the tight end Tyler Higby, but they signed Allen Robinson in free agency. They won't throw the ball to him. He got one target the other night, one reception the other night. Just <laughs> You know, you sign this guy to this big freaking contract, and you won't throw him the ball. And don't tell me he's not open. I mean, you, you just you're not getting him the ball. You know, and you're 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 relying over relying on getting the ball to Cooper Cup. That that that's what it is, and certainly that's a, you know great for Cooper stats, a detrimental offense. So do you put uh, Trayvon Diggs on Cooper Cup, or do you put Trayvon Diggs on Allen Robinson and then double Cooper Cup? Oh, I, mean, I think Cooper Cup is gonna get some double coverage. I, you know, I don't. You know, you 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 got to you know bracket him and do some different things with him, just you know to contain him, and then because you know he gets so much attention, gets the ball so much. I think based on the situation, based on where he lines up, the thing about the problem with putting digs on him is that he he moves all over the place. He's in motion. He's doing. They do so many things to free him up that that you you know you may take digs out of the play from somewhere else and it won't allow him to jump or help and jump routes like he wants to do. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting. Chess Master, I asked Dan Quinn about that, and, and you know he said, I'm not going to give you my game plan, you know, but you know you know they're going to do some things with Cooper Cup. When you go back to the offense, because you brought up Jason Peters, and, and would they be able to block Aaron Donald and maybe move the ball a little well? As you mentioned, Peters only played 21 snaps last week, 15 the week before that. Is is that the plan? Are they trying to ramp it up with him to get him more snaps out there on the line? 
Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a long haul decision, you know, and it's a long haul plan, and they're not trying to rush him out there. But yes, they're going to ramp him up slowly but surely. You know, the guy's not played football, you know, since the end of last season. He didn't, didn't have any off season, didn't have any training camp, didn't have any mini camp. He's forty years old. You know, they just got to get his conditioning right, get his legs right. You know, he, he you know, but uh, so it's just it's, it's a process, and again. I think let's give the Cowboys credit on their long haul decisions, you know, and and how they they they're doing this thing with this team since the beginning of the season. And I always felt like my major my criticism of the Cowboys and how they planned things in the off season was I thought there was a sense of urgency to, to play well at the start of the season because the schedule to me was tough, you know, with, with Tampa Bay and with the Bengals. Well, we thought the Bengals were going to be. And certainly with Rams in week five, you know, this was to me was the toughest part of the schedule. These these three of the first five games are the toughest part of the schedule. But you don't need to be going over to a certain extent. And you need, you know, how you going to navigate with this offensive line and without CD and the receiving court. And I worried about that. And, 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 and that's why, you know, I didn't think they did enough to improve this team because, you know, I, I didn't want the season to be awry because, of, of the tough early season schedule. As I said, it gets easier later. If you just look at the schedule, it gets easier later. But the Cowboys made the decision they made, and, and, and they've survived. You know, they survived, glorically survived the early part of the schedule. Like I said, no matter what happens against the Rams, they're in this thing, you know, and they and they're, they control their old destiny going forward in the division because all the division games are in front of them. You know, in the Eagles game and everything, no matter what the Eagles have done so far, you know, the Cowboys can control that. That's in front of them. They can, they decide how they play against the Eagles. So, uh, good for them. I mean, they were patient with, with, uh, with Gallup, you know, and, and they didn't rush him back. You know, they, again, with the same thing with the Peters thing, you know, we're just not going to put him out there, even though we're desperate. We thought we were, we, people thought we were desperate, you know, when, when Tyron Smith, uh, when Tyron Smith went out. They've been patient with this because these are long haul decisions. And it's a long season. The same thing with Dak Prescott. You know, no matter what Jerry was saying and, and all that, way, he could play against Washington. I mean, Jerry was one of the saying that he could play against, you know, the, the uh, Rams. They're going to let the medical decide and be patient. But when they bring when with, with Dak back, and they they're forced to do it because this is about the long haul. So again, give the Cowboys and medical staff pre- uh, credit for doing the right thing by the team and by the players for the long haul. Well, we're not going to let you get away with asking you about Texas OU, Mr. Longhorn. We're going to tear them up, right? Right, Matt? It's, 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 you would think so. I mean, my God, it's Oklahoma's defense time. is horrible. My, I mean, if they gave up 600-plus to – who was it that beat them last week? I just lost my train of thought. K-State beat them the week before, and then – No, they lost to TCU. It, yeah, TCU, TCU, TCU put up over 600 yards on them. And, I mean, the game – it was 48-17 to 17 right after halftime. I mean, I, you know. Yeah. Gaping holes in the secondary, not being able to tackle the quarterback, you know, yeah, it 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 it, it was a mess. And, and the thing about it, you know, what Sam was talking about, I mean, the Cowboys, I mean, not the Cowboys, but when Texas did this last year, then just gave up the ghost in the second half. You know, they did this last year against Oklahoma and gave up the ghost. You know, there are plays to be made, and you know, as, you know, Lincoln Riley left, and he, I think he he saw the the talent lacking. And listen to the money, and he took the, the, the big time quarterback away from him. I mean, you know, you just, it, it, they have problems over there. And so this is Sark's time. You know, you, there's, there's no excuse. There should be no reason why 
they lose this game. And then, you know, then we, you know, we, we have a different opinion of sorry, but this should be an easy win for Texas and, and, and hopefully the, the, the first of many during the start tenure. But, you know, again, you got to play the game and it's a mental thing, I think, with these young Texas players and say they, they've never done, they, they've never won here. And, and, you know, they pissed down their legs last year, you know, in the second half against Oklahoma and I hope they don't do it again. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be nice to see. I mean, what a wild game that one of these teams comes out of three and three. It's crazy. All right, Joe. We appreciate it, man. No problem, guys. Enjoy your day. You enjoy your day and enjoy Texas winning over OU on Saturday. I will. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, there he is. Clarence Hill Jr. It is interesting, man. I mean, when you when you talk about Texas OU coming up on Saturday. And you look at that game, Texas, I saw the line earlier this morning. They're favored by six and a half. It's like, I was talking to my dad about this, and he was like, man, we just don't have anybody. He's like, Lincoln took all of our good players <laughs> to USC with him. He's like, and my dad has no faith that OU is going to beat Texas. Because we usually make a $10 bet. Me and my brothers will bet my dad $10, depending. And, and most of the time, like, okay, well, we're not going to do it straight up. Like, how many points are you going to give us? And this year, my dad was like, how many points are you going to give me? <laughs> I was wow. like, what? He's like, well, I saw that the line is something like 10 points. Like, no, it's not. I was like, I will make the bet. I will t- contact you on Saturday morning and see what the line is right before kickoff. And then we can take that because it might get down. I was like, if it's Texas by like three or four, yeah, I'll, I'll give you those points. Man, this is big on big. There ain't no points. Just win. Well, and, and the reality of it is, I mean, you go back to this series in which, you know, people forget about this. Yes. Oklahoma, for the most part, has in recent years kind of dominated this series to a certain degree. But, I mean, this is one of those series that this is not Ohio State and Michigan. There is not a streak of games like that. These teams over the last few years, you know, you'll see Oklahoma win a couple, then Texas win a couple. Then Oklahoma wins a couple, then Texas wins a couple. And the fact that Oklahoma has won four in a row, this is the first time they've done that since the early 2000s. But you got to go back. If you throw out the Big 12 title game that they played in 2018, you got to go all the way back to 2013 before you find a game that was decided by more than one score. I mean, all these games have been really, really close in recent years in Texas OU. And and so there's no reason to think that this year would be any different. I just kind of, I'm with chill. I think Texas comes out ahead. I think it's going to be a fun one. I bet there's a lot of scoring in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's very reminiscent to that K-State game that OU played a couple of weeks ago and, and reminiscent of the last two years that were 53-45 and 55-48 OU, wouldn't surprise me at all if this is one of those, you know, 49-45 type games that Texas pulls out. All right. Well, so let's just be entertained. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's and what Grandma you, used to say. If you don't smoke it, then it's probably good. Smoking's bad for you. All right, before... Take it out of a pipe and roll it up in the... Whatever you need to do. Before we close it down, there are a couple other notes that I wanted to throw out just real quick here for you. And this is the Texas Rangers. As we end this version of the podcast, we will say sayonara to the Texas Rangers season. It is over. Their final game of the regular season was Wednesday. They won both of their last two games. Hooray. They finished at 68 and 94. They have tied for the seventh worst record in baseball, which means they will either have the seventh or eighth pick in next year's Major League Baseball draft. 
It's their sixth consecutive losing season and the fourth time in those six years that they failed to win at least 70 games. Here is the good news. In games started by Martin Perez and John Gray, they had a winning record of 30 and 26. The problem was the rest of the staff. They went 38 and 68 in all other games this season. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. So not good when others started. And, and we'll see what they can do. They, they're going to be looking for a new manager. They're going to be trying to find somebody to come in here and turn this thing around. There's some good young pieces on the way. But man, when you watch a team like Houston do what they've been doing in recent years and how dominant they've been, the amount of World Series they're going to. Man, it makes you miss this the 2010-2011 team when when baseball was fun and you got the playoffs and the season wasn't over in July. It, it's it's been a long time. It feels like it's been a long, long time since they've given you a real reason to care late in the season here in Texas. Well, hopefully it's coming back real soon. I hope so, man. I hope so. And I'm going to throw this out as well. Again, we're always looking for new sponsors, but our numbers, you guys have made our numbers. We're, we're breaking our records. And if you own a local business, if you know someone that owns a local business and might be interested, you guys are so incredible the way you support our sponsors. And we've kind of talked about this before, but we don't make a living doing this, obviously. We pay ourselves a small amount for our time that we take up. But a lot of the stuff that we get when we have sponsors that come in, it's and we need some new equipment now and, and it helps with some podcasting fees and some service fees that we have to pay to make all this stuff happen it helps with equipment and whatnot that we get so if any of you are interested in jumping on and and promoting your business or promoting anything you know reach out to us because we'd love to add to our family of sponsors and the five that we currently have that we've done so well for i mean obviously some businesses i think benefit a lot easier than other businesses but if that's something that you would be interested in, reach out to me. Shoot me an email, matt at jamsessionpodcast.com, M-A-T-T at jamsessionpodcast.com. And let's see if there's a fit, man, because we'd like to grow this thing and, and we'd like to bring in some new people. And, and the more sponsors we have, the more that we can do because the more that we can afford to buy equipment and do certain things and make it bigger and better. So if that's yeah, you, he help us. <laughs> we're at that point man we'd like to grow and, and you guys can help that and and i know many of our listeners you guys help by retweeting and telling your friends we can tell i mean the numbers are way up we are up i think it's 40 percent here in like the last six weeks and that's a testament to you know people coming here to hang out listen to good conversation get great cowboys content and and all of you that listen telling your friends about it so we'd like to help you and help us and help everybody so hit us up if you got a business or know somebody that might be interested, and we'll figure it out from there. Outside of that, Jacques, Sunday is going to be very, very interesting. I'm very hopeful that we will find a way to get you a podcast that drops in time for Monday morning. But the Cowboys play at 325. I am going to be on a flight back to Alabama in the middle of that game, unfortunately. I tried to get the best flight that I could, but you kind of know how it is when you're doing this type of stuff and you're traveling and whatnot. Right. And so, I mean, for me, it is what I, it is what it is as far as my trip goes. And we'll see what time I land. I was trying to look this up. I think I get in actually, it's not too late. So we may actually be able to make that happen on Sunday, but we're just going to have to figure it out. I was trying to see where the hell my flight is. I don't know. Oh, well. 
anyway, I can't figure out what it is. I was trying to look it up and tell you what time I land. But we'll have to figure something out for Sunday after the Cowboys game because I obviously have a I have a weird day on Sunday. Yeah, I get back. So I, I take off from Austin at 5.30, which means I'll be watching the Cowboys game at the airport and then leaving before it's over. And I land in Birmingham at 9. So maybe we can do a late night podcast. All right, we'll make it happen. Yeah, so we'll figure that out. But everybody enjoy your weekend. Hook them horns. You can't spell you suck without OU. And the Cowboys get to 4-1. and one. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.